0: Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is true, it is good, and God, it is enduring. That it it can speak to us yesterday, today, and forever, that you have spoken and you continue to speak. God, I pray that you'd speak this morning through John, that you would open our hearts to hear what he has, what you have to say through him. You would speak through him by your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that you would give us a, a receptivity in our hearts to receive what you've given, us, what you're giving to us and, and to put it into practice. In Jesus name, amen. Well, let's dive right in together. We're continuing in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus gives a manifesto of his kingdom and so much of it, you know, his heavenly kingdom is remarkably down-to-earth, and we talk about Mercy Hill being place places down-to-earth in between a couple weeks ago, me preaching about lust and adultery, and Brian mentioned a Wednesday night conversation here about sex. Mercy Hill is down-to-earth because this morning we're getting in to talk about money as well. Uh, ironically, Jesus talks more about money than he does heaven or hell, and we're going to open up in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24, where Jesus shows us some things about money, how money, well, kind of like sex and many of the other blessings that God gives us, it has both a blessing side and a danger side. Uh, And whether it's money, sex, power, so many of the other things God gives us, they make wonderful servants, but terrible masters. And remember last Sunday, Javier from Argentina was speaking to us about Jesus saying, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You know, many of these blessings that God gives us when they become a yoke, it's a terrible kind of slavery. We need to take on the yoke that comes only from Jesus and and let his blessings and his creation find their proper place. So here's what Jesus says. Next slide. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust do what? And where thieves do what? That's like professional development for thieves, right? That's that's what thieves do. They break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures. Where? In heaven, where moth and rust do what? They don't destroy. And where thieves are apparently out of a job. Thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus continues, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Why? Because it's inside, not just outside. And Jesus continues, No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and, you cannot serve both God and money. Say to your neighbor, you cannot serve both God and money. Mike, you can't serve both God and money. Nobody else was talking to you, sorry. Don't want you to be left out. Right? And these there's three there's three main things we're gonna unpack here. And it's not because a sermon is required to have three points, that's a fallacy. But it's because that as Jesus is talking here, He's there's these three sections and three things He says. The first is that by our nature, you and I, we are treasure hunters. We're treasure hunters. And where our treasure is, our heart is going to go also. Secondly, our eyes matter. The What the eyes of our heart are set on determines what our physical eyes notice and are drawn towards. And thirdly, no one can serve two masters, period. It's not you shouldn't serve two masters. It's we cannot serve two masters. And so, firstly, this idea that we're treasure hunters... Let's unpack that a little. Jesus says where your treasure is, your heart, what? Will be also. So in Jesus's sequence, which is coming first? The present tense is where your treasure is, what's going to happen. That's where your heart will end up. Your heart will be also. Do you see the connection there? Where your treasure is today, your heart's going to go and be there tomorrow. Where your treasure is, your heart's going to go there too. Now, take note of this, right? Jesus is not saying, maybe surprisingly, Jesus is not saying that storing up treasures for ourselves is a bad thing per se. In fact, Jesus encourages us to store up treasures for yourself. He says that, but store up treasures for yourself. He's not saying, don't store up treasure for yourself, period. What he's actually doing is critiquing where we store up our treasure. He says, do not store up treasure for yourself on earth, not because it's a bad thing to store up treasure for yourself, but because earth is a stupid place to store it. What is at issue, what is at issue is not whether we store up treasure for ourselves, but where we store it up. Jesus is not saying that storing up treasures for ourselves is wrong. He's saying that storing up treasures for ourselves on earth is foolish. It's foolish, friends. Foolish. And he urges us instead to store up treasures for ourselves where? In heaven it has got two main reasons here for this instruction, right? The first is, it's wise. He says, why would you store up your treasure where it's going to get spoiled? Why would you do that? Why store up treasure for yourself where you know you can't keep it forever? He says, if you store it up here, moth and rust destroy, thieves break in and steal. And indeed, even if you manage to protect and preserve it long enough, do you know what's going to happen? Yeah. Say it louder, Elizabeth. You're going to die. We're going to die. And what good will your treasure do you then? And it's also, therefore, vital, absolutely vital that you and I store up treasure for ourselves where? In heaven. Because where our treasure is, it's going to lead our hearts to that place. You're not going to spend eternity here in northwest Indiana driving a nice car, right? With a, a, a refabricated, renovated kitchen. God has something better for that. And if you want your heart to be hooked in eternity, store your treasure up there. Jesus is saying that you and I are either anchoring our hearts here on earth or else we're hooking our hearts into eternity by storing up our treasure in heaven. And the difference maker is, where we put our treasure will determine where our hearts are hooked. Now look, guys, I know talking about money in church is a sensitive subject. I mean, it really is right up there with sex and it's hard to know which it makes people more uncomfortable. Um, One of the issues that complicates money and talking about money in church is the way that some Christian leaders have just so muddied the water and been so disgraceful in the way that they have manipulated and pulled and, and made it like giving money into their own ministry is the thing that you are most supposed to do. And and so we what we do is we swing our pendulum the other direction because people have been genuinely hurt. Here at Mercy Hill, we don't want to be that kind of church. And, and so it's tempting to like avoid the conversation and money gets really personal. And part of the reason money gets really personal is that each of us has a relationship with money. Money is not just this thing that exists out there. Money is deeply connected to the hopes, dreams, desires, and fears of our own hearts. And the way each of us relates to money can be individual and it's different. For some of us, money represents security. Money, if I have enough, is what it lets me say, okay, now I don't have to worry about tomorrow. But Jesus says it, and actually Luke's going to be sharing about this next week. When Jesus tells us not to worry about tomorrow, he doesn't link it to the size of our IRA, to a pension, or our checking account. He links it to the ongoing provision of our Father. For some of us, money represents love. It's a way that we can give to others, and we can show love. It's a way we feel love if we receive gifts that come in. For others, love is sorry, money is freedom. It's what enables us to do what we want to do or will be the thing that lets us get to doing the things that we want to do. Money can be power. It's the capability to do things. And our relationships with money are the very thing Jesus is trying to get at the root of and at the heart here. Jesus wants us to be able to take his yoke on ourselves. And if money it not our servant, it will be our master. And so in this context here, Jesus is talking very specifically about money. When he says, store up your treasures in heaven, he says, don't store for yourself treasures on earth, but store up treasures on heaven. He's not speaking in metaphorical terms about just the way that we use our time or the acts of service that we might do for other people. His context, as you can tell from verse 24, you cannot serve both God and money. What's he talking about? He's talking specifically about money here. And and so as he does, he's talking about these actual physical things that thieves can actually steal. Actual physical things that can rust, the things that can get spoiled. He's saying that the physical stuff of life, whether it's cash or possessions, they're spiritually important, spiritually vital, because they'll either anchor our hearts to earth or to heaven. All right, let's do a quick little assessment. Let's go ahead, next slide. Yep, all right. So just a couple basics, spending more than you earn. Good idea or bad idea? That's bad news. Why? Debt is a bad master, right? And so we think to ourselves, well, great. I'm spending less than I earn. I'm even doing some savings. I must be doing well financially. I'm doing it right. I'm doing it good now, right? But Jesus is pointing somewhere beyond that. In Jesus's economy, spending and saving aren't the only two factors. There's also giving. And giving is vital for us. If, if our financial planning is only focused on our own lifetimes, we're thinking too short term. I remember growing up, I thought that like saving for retirement, that that was long-term planning. But guys, this life, it's just a moment. It's like the flash of a, a flash bulb on your camera compared to eternity. And if it's only for this life that we're planning, we may say, well, that's 50 years ahead. That's 60 years ahead. That's um, 10 years ahead. Uh, right? <laughs> we're, we're, we're thinking too short term. Jesus is saying, lift your eyes. See eternity and live now For eternity. He says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And he goes a little further. He continues here, right? The next verse says, the eye is the lamp of the body. And our eyes really do matter. You know, what the eyes of our heart are set on and shaped, man, it determines the things that we even notice. Like a couple years ago, well, for years, even before that, a couple years ago, my wife and I traded in her all-wheel drive, sport utility vehicle, and got a little electric car. Uh, And we'd been talking and thinking about someday getting an electric car for years. And and it's funny how it's only when you're thinking about an electric car that you start noticing them. You know, I, I never saw so many Chevy Volts until we got our little Nissan Leaf. And then once we got our Nissan Leaf, I'm like, every Nissan Leaf I see, I'm like, look, there's another one. Look, there's another one. And we were like, literally embarrassing ourselves, pulling up to other people who are driving the electric car. i like, waving. You a It's so exciting. We got electric car. And they like, who are these weirdos? I don't know you. What is the big deal? Right? And And so the things that are going on in here, they actually shape what we notice with these eyes. They really do shape what we see. Or to put it the way Jesus is here, Your treasure dream, your treasure dream, the things that you're dreaming about and thinking about, they shape what you see physically. We saw that a couple weeks ago when we were looking at Matthew 5, 27 and 28, as Jesus talks about lust and how we look at other people. No, Jesus is not only talking in verses 19 through 21 about what we do with the treasure we already have. He's talking here in verses 22 and 23 about what we, how we deal with the treasure we wish we had, right? And so if you take a look here, don't store up treasures on earth for yourself, store them up in heaven. That's how we deal with the treasures we already have. This part about the eyes being the lamp of the body, if your eye is good, your whole body will be full of what? Of light. If your eye is bad, it's going to be full of darkness That has to do with our desires, with our dreams, the things we're hoping for and chasing after and looking for. The eye is the lamp of the body. And Jesus says your inner eye, the desires of your hearts, it matters because what we're looking for will determine what we're looking at. The eye is the lamp of the body. And to some extent, every one of us, we're living lives that kind of go within these quotation marks, right? If only I had blank, then I would blank. There's so much of our thinking that is many times unconscious, but what goes on in our hearts fits that formula, right? And whatever sits on the other side of your if only, if only I had, whatever fills that blank for you, that's something you really treasure. And so we tell ourselves, usually subconsciously, but sometimes we do it out loud, we say that if we're able to possess and experience that thing that I'm lacking, that that will bring me rest, that that will satisfy me, that that will be the thing that makes it possible for me to finally experience what I've been looking for. It's usually not the thing itself, it's what that thing represents to us. Maybe it's a relationship, you feel is going to cure your loneliness and disappointment. Maybe it's the hopes you have for your children and the ways that we empower and enable that with spending. Or maybe it's simply that you hope to have children. Maybe it's a promotion at work that's going to validate for you all of the hard work you've put in and the experience that you had. We can live these lives where we think, if only I had, then it would mean this to me. And Jesus wants to fill both those blanks. He does. I say both those blanks because Jesus is not a means to a different end. Right? It's not if only I had Jesus, then I would have a better salary. It's not if only I had Jesus, then I would have a bigger house. No, if only I had Jesus, then I would have God himself. And when we have the Lord, we have everything. Everything. And so check your desires. You know, how do you feel about your house? Are you thinking, man, if we had a nicer house, a nicer neighborhood, different school district, fill in the blanks, then we could fill in. No, let it come back. Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If we turn our eyes towards the Lord, if we look in the light, then our whole body will be full of light. But if our eye is leading us to chase in other directions, it'll lead us into trouble. Remember, Jesus, the context here, He's talking about money. Our, the eyes of our heart can either be looking, meaning desiring, towards the Lord or towards stuff. And when we, when we do, if our eyes are seeking treasures here on earth, it's going to lead us into a life where, well, moth and rust will consume the things that we accumulate. Where instead, Jesus wants us to have treasure where? In heaven. And so, Yeah, um, let me jump to a, a quote from an author named Paul Tripp. Some of you are familiar with Paul David Tripp. Uh, he says this about grace. He says, "I am still in need of grace. My need for grace is so profound that I need grace in order to properly value the grace I need." Does that sink in, right? And he says, "Here is what is important about this. Our problem. Oh, next slide. Our problem with money." doesn't begin with overvaluing the physical created world. It's actually disrespectful to God if we devalue what he's made. Our problem with money doesn't come from overvaluing the physical creative world. No, where does it come from? No, our problem with money is rooted in a dramatic undervaluing of Jesus. It's rooted in a dramatic undervaluing of the gift of Jesus and his grace. It is only when King Christ is given the proper value in our hearts that King money will have neither the power nor the room to rule us. How many masters can I serve according to Jesus? How many people can serve two masters? Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. But man, it's it's kind of funny how we all think we're an exception to that. (laughs) Right? He says, nobody can do it except me. (laughs) No. He says, none of us can serve two masters, period. Not shouldn't, can't, cannot. Don't think you're the exception to what Jesus is saying, which by the way is a good general rule to taking to heart what Jesus has to say about things. No, either we serve King Jesus or we serve King money. And think, think, how many other kinds of false gods and masters might Jesus have put into that slot? When Jesus says, you can't serve two masters, either you're going to love the one and hate the other or be devoted to the one and despise the other. When he sets that up, he could have said, you cannot serve both God and sex which is true. You cannot serve both God and power. I mean, he could have filled in that blank with loads of other false gods. But the one that he singles out, the one that he's really wanting to draw our attention to is this one, money. And especially in our culture, money is the chief rival God. that's gonna compete with our hearts, attention, affection, and obedience with the Lord Jesus himself. So here's a question. In terms of serving God or serving money. Which one does Jesus think is the better master? Because apparently we're going to have to choose one. We can't choose both. And I don't know if you notice this. Jesus does not seem to think that the option of serving neither is available to us. As created beings, as creatures. We don't have the luxury of being a genuine king ourselves. We're made to serve a king. And so we have to choose one. And Jesus says, you're going to choose God or money. Can't serve both. So which one does Jesus think is the better master? 10 or 12 of us would say God, <laughs> right? I mean, it's not a, I'll tell you this, it's not a trick question, all right? Yeah, it's like when you're in Sunday school and the answer is always Jesus. Right? So here we are, it's the middle of the sermon, right? But, but that's, that's the fact here, right? If you can only choose one master, either God or money, who are you gonna choose? God. Yes. Hey, let me, let me just suggest this. Go ahead and say to your neighbor, Jesus is better. I mean, think, money wants to promise us so much. Right? All these things, all these things I'll give you if only you'll bow down and worship me. Look, I can give you whatever you want if you'll just follow me. Money's full, King Money is full of promises, but he's a liar. He's a bad master. You don't want to be a slave. No, money can't give you security. Not genuine security. Look, money's good for stuff. Solomon, who had plenty, uh, says in Ecclesiastes that money's the answer to everything. You know, money can make life easier. It's a bad master. It's a bad master for us. Can't bring you real security. Thieves break in and steal. Not just, you know, a safe in your house. You know, or what's in your purse as you're in the mall. There's thieves on Wall Street as well. Uh, there's systems in our economy that you and I can't control. If you're going to put your trust in the market, you're putting your trust in the wrong place. Our only security comes from the Lord. Money can't give us actual power and control, only the illusion of it. And so Jesus is better. And for you and me, Learning generosity is a key for our spiritual freedom. And there is no such thing as financial freedom if we're slaves to money. Having lots of money doesn't give you financial freedom. It just means you're a better resourced slave. Now, only in the Lord do we find real freedom. And so learning generosity is a vital key for our spiritual freedom. Why is that? Because what we do with our money will lead our hearts. Where your treasure is, your heart what? Will be also. And so dethroning King Money and enthroning King Jesus instead is vital for us. We can't serve two masters. Jesus is saying you're going to end up serving one of them and you're either going to hate the one and love the other or just love the one and be devoted to the one and despise the other. Apparently serving neither is not an option, right? And so who's your master? Or to put it in a different ways, how are you finding your joy and security in God rather than in money? How do we do that? Right? How are you, how am I choosing King Jesus over King Money? I've got a couple of thoughts to, to leave us with this morning. One is, what have you recently given away for spiritual reasons? Uh, here I mean that you, know, you were moved with a desire to help someone else's need, maybe because you realized it wasn't spiritually healthy for you to keep something. I'm not talking here about how you had to get your sister-in-law a Christmas present. Uh, I'm talking about the the way that you made a decision that was spiritually motivated and relevant to say, instead of clinging, I'm going to be giving. Maybe it was cash. Maybe it was the, the equivalent. Maybe it was a particular item that you had. Maybe it was a gift that you did buy for someone. The point is that at the root of your giving, it was for the Lord. It's because you were responding to King Jesus instead of King money. It's because you were moved for the sake of God to do it. Not because, well, the last time we went out with them, he picked up the bill, so it's my turn. Do you see the difference? Okay. Um, those are places that we choose whether we're serving God or serving money. I I once had a, like a fully equipped wood shop in my garage. I still have quite a number of good woodworking tools. I enjoy woodworking. But there, I hit a point where I, I noticed the Lord was challenging me about my accumulation uh, of tools, that I was deriving a great deal of joy from having the shop rather than from what I was producing and the things that I was making in the shop. And I really didn't have time in the seasons of life that I was in to use it. And and it, it's funny, it shouldn't be such a big deal, but to me, in my heart, it was a big deal that I ended up giving my dust collector and bandsaw and a few other things to uh, another brother who had just recently retired and enjoyed woodworking and was gonna be able to put his time into it. And that process for me, it exposed a lot in my own, my own heart and my guts. And it was very much a spiritual uh, issue of who's on the throne. And how is this going to work out for me? And and by giving the tools away, I dethroned King Money and made that place about King Jesus and being devoted to him. In some ways, it's easier if you don't listen to the Lord and you, like, you don't hear his voice and you can just go, la, 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 you know, and ignore him. But when God starts dealing with us, let me urge you, be devoted to him and be willing to be radical in responding to him another another area, another question is what recently have you chosen not to buy that you wanted, and that may not have been wrong for you to get, but you chose not to buy for spiritual reasons, not just budgetary reasons, but because it was about Jesus being on the throne instead of other desires being primary um, i I remember a time where Karen had her eye on one of these. Oh, Drat, what do you call these kind of like big mega purse things that are leather and have a designer tag on them? And you can put all kinds of stuff in them. It's like a satchel or, you know, yeah, you're like a mega purse, though. Not like a, a purse, but, the, but like the jumbo sort of things. And <laughs> <laughs> yes, and, and and she'd been looking because at work, everybody else has them. You know, whether it's patients or coworkers, everybody's got them. And you know, and she's like using one of these disposable, you know, reusable shopping bag kind of deals. And uh, she had her eye, and she was looking at. And and Karen is anything but impulsive. And so it was this long process of thinking it through, thinking about getting this hand. It's not a handbag, whatever those big things are called, satchels. I need a word. Mega purse. What do you call it? Tote. Okay. But it's gotta be leather and fancy to fit the bill here. And, and, and in that process, she, she was looking online. She'd found a specific one that she thought would work for her. She could see that there was, she could get a good deal on it online. And, and she was like just about to order it. And we were, uh, we were at a, a church leaders meeting where Alan Scotland, who leads the apostolic team for our family of churches, spoke about the needs of training church leaders in China. And when he was done speaking about the training that he was hoping we'd do, that we were looking to raise money for, Karen decided to donate the exact amount of what she was going to have spent on the purse and and give it to that training. And by doing that, And so she didn't get the purse. It was an either or. It wasn't like, well, if I'm going to buy myself the purse, I also should give that much. It was instead. And and as a result, every time she saw one of those handbags, instead of it being like a little root of bitterness or jealousy for her, it was a reminder to pray for the leaders in China. So how how are you dethroning money and enthroning Jesus? with the things you already have, right? Verses 19 through 21, or the things you wish you had, verses 22 and 23. Because when we get to verse 24, Jesus says, you can't serve both. It's going to be one or the other. And so in very practical ways, just walking like Karen did, understanding where my treasure is, my heart will be also. I want my treasure to lead my heart to the things that are eternal, to the things that matter to the Lord. So as we're looking, oh, one other note I just wrote down. Hey, if there are certain subscriptions that you have that are, you know, sending advertisements into either your physical mailbox or into your email box because you got a 10% coupon one time when you signed up for them to just pour it all into your, to your mailbox, maybe one of the things to do is cancel those. Put them out of sight because the eye is the lamp of the body and be careful where it pulls you. So, uh, those are some thoughts for this week. The, the big, the biggest, biggest, biggest thought is this one. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Brian is going to lead us in communion as, as he comes up. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for speaking truth that cuts across all the different illusions of our culture that cuts through the deceptiveness of our own hearts and shows us the way things really are. Lord, thank you for the privilege that it is to be able to store up treasure for ourselves in heaven. Lord, thank you that you invite us into a better yoke. Lord, thank you that you invite us into real and lasting treasure. Lord, thank you that with you as our master, we can have genuine freedom. And Lord, I I pray for all of us that you would help us in the practical everyday decisions, God, that you'd help us in the little things that put you first and in the major structural changes that we need to do to make sure that you are first in our lives in every way, Lord Jesus. Help us please, amen. You know, the extra add-ons can, can add on. You know, last Sunday, right, Javier said he was finished and then he continued as well. Uh, but I'm aware of this, that issues of finance can create a lot of conflict in marriages and in homes. And I just want to take a moment to pray about that and just to urge you. You know, I was teasing Brian before to say, it, hey, we should pass the offering baskets again after the sermon and give everybody a do-over, right? Right. Uh, but but in reality, it matters that in your household that you have unity and faith together. And the Lord's just as willing to speak to you on Tuesday as he is on Sunday. And we want to invite you to, to keep pressing into the scripture, keep asking these questions prayerfully. But if your history as a couple is a friction in these areas, let me invite you to make sure you do it prayerfully and and to share communion at home together. When you're going to talk about finances, because it's a moment where we each are saying, Jesus, it's really all about you. Jesus, I live for you. There's nothing that's mine and it's all all yours through you and for you. So, Lord, we invite your rule in our relationships, in our own hearts. And in our homes, God. And Lord, I do pray for a fresh breath of your spirit, God, where there have been strains in our marriages and the differing pulls of desires and hopes and fears and dreams that are all wrapped up in our finances, God. Lord, we do draw near to you, God. Just like the quote said, we need grace to even properly value our need for grace. But Lord, thank you for the bread and the wine for your body and your blood, for this tangible reminder that your grace is present. It's here, it's rich, it's free, and you are everything we need. Thank you in Jesus' name. God bless you. Have a good week.